This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 90, so we're rapidly approaching the magical 100 mark, but this is episode 90 and today I've got a very special guest on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast and uh, I'm going to be interviewing a current Rise Underground World Champion Big Effing Joe. But before we introduce Big Effing Joe, I just want to kind of mention the fact that Wrestling with Jonas has its own website now, so we're now online. Of course we've got all our social media links, you can get in touch with us via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and all that good stuff. But if you go ahead and search our website www.wrestlingwithjohners.com you've got all of our links there all of our links to our social media all of our archive to podcasts We've got exclusive articles from our team of writers and our work, work for the Wrestling with Jonas pod, uh, podcast and uh, website and um, daily updates on wrestling news from around the world. So go and check it out. That's wrestlingwithjonas.com. You can find all of our social media links there instead of me reading them out to you like I usually do at the start of every single episode. Uh, however, this is uh, an interview with Big Effing Joe in conjunction with Turnbuckle TV. So this is our second interview in a series of uh, interviews with Turnbuckle TV and as we're all aware Turnbuckle TV is easily the best UK based pro wrestling on demand service available today with over 30 channels shining a, a massive great big light on the very best independent wrestling from around the UK simply go to turnbuckletv.com uh, to subscribe to over 30 channels featuring more UK independent wrestling that you can shake a bloody great big stick at for only 3 99 per month and there's also a lot of free content on there as well uh, so go ahead and check it out today that's Turnbuckle TV.com. And that leads us nicely to our next interview in partnership, in collaboration with Turnbuckle TV, uh, with one of the most in-demand wrestlers on the UK indie scene right now. He's the current Rise Underground World Champion. I want to welcome to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, Big Effing Joe. So Joe, good evening. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you. Excellent. Great to have you on the podcast. Uh, we've been looking forward to getting you uh, on board. Uh, we've got quite a few fan questions uh, for Big F and Joe to go through a little bit later on uh, during the course of the, the interview. But one, one question I'd like to ask all of my guests whenever I have a, a Wrestling with Jonas uh, interview, and that's kind of how my guest first got into professional, how, how they got into kind of becoming a fan of wrestling. So, Joe, my question to you is, um, how, how did you first come across professional wrestling as a fan was it from a young age have you always been a fan of professional wrestling tell us about your, your fandom and how you came across uh, this great sport of professional wrestling my friend well yeah it came across uh, wrestling when i was five i just remember my first memories uh, actually um wcw and sting so it was just from there really i don't know how i just remember it was on saturdays and um I must have just stumbled across it where my parents had left the room or something. And yeah. then all Saturday afternoons, there. I remember. Yeah. And, and Sting's one of my all time favourites as well. 
It was uh, WCW and the A team on a Saturday, if I remember. Yeah, so those were good, some good afternoons, definitely. The A team and WCW doesn't get much better. So Sting was obviously, I would imagine, if you stumbled across WCW, Sting was probably one of your early favourites. And uh, as you were kind of becoming more of a fan of professional wrestling, did you did you kind of branch out a little bit? Did you watch a little bit of, I don't know, WWF? Um, what sort of promotions and wrestlers kind of uh, turned you on to wrestling at that young age? I, pretty much anything with wrestling on it. So like. WWF at the time or even I remember as a kid just weird stuff like you'd go into the QD shop QD do you yeah. know what I mean by that yeah they'd have, like, they'd have like a VHS section and they'd have like glow tapes and random USWA compilations and stuff and I'd buy them I was, I was pretty well versed at early age in all sorts of different genres of wrestling yeah, that's really fascinating. And uh, I, I suppose, I mean, like myself, it took a few years for my family to get Sky. But did your family eventually get Sky? And kind of, did you start watching kind of satellite TV with all the kind of WWF stuff that was on on yeah. offer back in back in the nineties? Yeah, I remember the first the day I got Sky, they had Mania on. Can you remember that with Todd Pettengale? Yes. And I remember yeah, the very much so. The first episode of Raw I got to see on Sky was when Vader. Again, which is weird because he was in um, the match with Sting that I remember as a kid. But um, it was him crushing Yokozuna's leg. Remember that episode? Yes, fondly. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So we're uh, good times. Good times. Uh, we obviously grew, grew up in the in a very similar similar time span, a very similar um, era. So so tell me a little bit about. Um, when you first became interested in becoming a professional wrestler then joe so to so tell us what sparked that interest to become a pro wrestler yourself i mean obviously you started watching wrestling at a young age five years old um you know did that kind of plant the seed early on and, and kind of when did you kind of first uh kind of you know make that decision to say right i'm going to start training to become a pro wrestler see this is really kind of lame but ever since i first seen it all I ever wanted to do was be a wrestler. So when I was five, six, even in high school, when, when you're about, when you're going for your GCSEs and they ask what you want to do, and I just wanted to be a wrestler, which was kind of a hindering hindrance because I um, didn't care about grades at all or care about anything that would help me in the real world. All I wanted to do was wrestle. Yeah, and I suppose when you have to have their meetings kind of in the, in the in the sixth form, it's like, what do you want to do as a career? And, uh, you know, you're going to be a bank manager, you're going to be, you know, this, that and the other. And it's like, no, I want to be a professional wrestler. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I had similar conversations when I told my teachers I wanted to be a snooker player. And uh, yeah, it's like, well, we can't help you, son, you know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, go on. The thing is, with a snooker player, you have to have skill. With wrestling, <laughs> with wrestling, you don't have to have any skill at all to actually make money. So. Well, maybe, maybe. But uh, my, my snooker career didn't get off the ground and your wrestling career did. But uh, So tell us a little bit about your training then. So uh, where, where did you start training? At what age? Uh, who was it with? Who, kind of, who, who uh, got you into the business? Uh, I started when I was 18 um, with the UK Pitbulls. So I, I went actually on my 18th birthday. I travelled down. It took me about four hours on train to get there, um, only for the school to be shut that day, oh. which sucked balls. <laughs> um, yeah, they were kind enough to... Um, yeah, the gym was actually open, but the, the wrestling part wasn't on that day. They, for whatever reason, they were kind enough to actually let me get in the ring and take like one bump, and my whole, my whole journey wasn't wasted. Um, 
yeah, and I went from training with them to a similar location to WAW. So I started training with the Knight family as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Pitbulls were cool enough because a lot of training schools are like, you can't train with this person, don't train anywhere else, and all that sort of bullshit. But the Pitbulls were like, train with anyone and everyone. No matter how good or bad they are, you'll learn something. So they were super cool. That's cool. And and uh, so you had training with the UK Pitbulls. Then you kind of got brought into kind of WAW and, and the Knight family. What was that experience like, uh, kind of training with, with the Knights? I mean, they're, they're probably more famous, uh, more prominent now than they were when you started training. But uh, were they a good bunch to be around? Were they were they helpful? Did, did you find that their, their training was useful uh, for you? Yeah, massively. Um, the only difference was their classes were a lot bigger. So when I trained with the Pitbulls, that might have been like four to eight of us in a mm-hmm. class. Um, and there were every there were twice a week at one point. And um, WAWs were much bigger classes. Um, but I've got nothing but good things to say about them. They all, they all um, play their part in teaching you different things. Because you'll notice the family are quite distinctive in their, in their uh, skill set, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like they're totally different wrestlers. Like Sweet Soraya is totally different to say Zebra Kid. But uh, you you want to learn from every all of them. So yeah, and and to take us back to them early days. And so I, mean, I have it down here that you've been uh, wrestling now for about fourteen years. Is, is that right, Joe? <laughs> hey, fave. <laughs> Don't ruin it, man. I'm I'm pretty. I, I wouldn't say that. Wow, wow. Nice. But but but, but uh, I mean, you, you you were wrestling under the WAW banner or what, back in 2010, 2011. Uh, is that is that about right? Yeah, yeah. Oh God, you've ruined my high now. I was, I was <laughs> stoned. That's why I sound a bit like Marvel Man. I'm pretty mad, and you've just ruined it for me. Oh, sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. But uh, so take us back to the early days. I mean, when you made your pro wrestling debut, kind of. Was you, was you nervous? Was you excited? I mean, how did the match go? Can you can you remember your first pro yes, wrestling match? I'll, t- I'll tell you a funny story from my first match. Uh, two, anyway. So my first match was against Stevie Knight, who who you'd probably know if you're. He was like a British legend. Uh, anyway, so um, he finally gets to the venue and he's like, "What can you do off the top?" And at the time, I could moonsault, so I said moonsault, and he went fine. Miss that, we'll go to the finish. Bearing in mind, it's my first match. Not anything called at all. So I didn't know any, how the match was going and proper shitting myself. <laughs> and, uh, in the match, uh, he pulled out a fork from his trunks and pretended to work it into my head just as a rib. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, I thought I'd got colour. Because he said he was going to get colour on me in the match, jokingly. And I thought when he used the fork, I was like, oh, my God, fuck, he's making me bleed. And I was like feeling my head for colour. Really weird situation, uh, um, which is pretty random, like a pretty random experience for your first match. For your first match, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's probably enough to make some guys run a mile on their first match, to be honest with you, and never come back. <laughs> yeah, but I say it, it might sound bad, but it was in a good way. Like when I got back, he was like, the reason I told you nothing in the match is because if you plan everything, you can forget stuff. Nothing went wrong in that match because there was nothing to remember. You responded to everything that I asked you to do. You fed, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that was quite good. And and the fork thing was a rib because anyone that knows the Pitbulls know they're massive ribbers. And there's like a, a certain group of guys in English wrestling that are like throwbacks to that. Uh, Stevie Knight was one of them. 
So if you could take a rib, which you just don't see in wrestling nowadays, um, you were good to go. You know, if I'd have took it the wrong way, then yeah. probably wouldn't have had many more matches. Yeah, probably while, scared, like. scared you. But um, and and sticking to them early days, and Joe. I mean, I'm guessing that your your gimmick was was a world away from what it is currently as as the big effing Joe that we all know and love uh, in 2020. But uh, what, what was your kind of character and gimmick back then? I mean, did did you really have one back in them early days? You're you're really making me depressed now. <laughs> making have flashbacks like a molested child. <laughs> uh, so um yeah, I was just I shouldn't have been allowed anywhere near a ring for ages really. Like I was quite lucky uh blessed and cursed that I had my first match after like four or five months. Right. Um and I just looked like I robbed a joke shop, you know, I just put any gimmick on I could to uh try in my mind to look cool. I had like a sort of emo punk rock sort of thing going on yeah it's pretty cringe pretty bad um, yeah so uh, th- 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 i'm guessing uh times you want to kind of uh, forget then joe you yes. don't want to relive them so i apologize for bringing were, them up if it brings back any bad memories <laughs> there were very much the days in uh brit rest where everyone had plever shorts yeah that was uh, yes depressing dark times. days dark days <laughs> But, um, I mean, with AWA, in, sorry, WAW in particular, I'm guessing it was a, a good learning experience for you, especially, you know, it gave you uh, plenty of opportunities to hone your craft and to, to develop a character or wrestling style. Did you find them early days kind of very useful to kind of find yourself as a wrestler? Yeah, yeah. WAW were brilliant because they ran so many shows as well. And mm. they were super cool, like, not just to use their own trainees, because obviously I was coming from another school. So they could have alienated me and put their own guys on, but they never did. So you've got lots of opportunities to be on shows and wrestle people with so much experience. It It was really good. Yeah, because I mean, quite a lot of the UK talent, certainly, you know, over the last 10 years, years or so, they've gone through the doors of WAW. I mean, you know, that they've they've wrestled for the Knight family at one time or another. I should imagine a fair portion of the UK talent has passed through WAW. And everyone, uh, from everyone yeah. from like Alex Shane to Nick Aldis, um, Marty Skrull had like some of his earlier matches there. I mean, they're the, they're the first promotion to put a lot of... Um, give a lot of guys their first outside bookings yeah which is yeah. Uh, you can't ever slate them for that a lot of they get a lot of attention in brit rest but good people in my eyes mm-hmm. so for for many of my listeners on the wrestling with john's podcast um you know kind of some wrestlers might not be as familiar with you joe but uh, you've become one of the most uh, in demand wrestlers on the uk circuit um you're definitely known for your physical style your brawling style um but uh, has that always been has that always been the case i mean if uh, this kind of more hardcore brawling physical big effing joe that we know now um is that has that always been your style or is that always been your kind of preferred uh style in the ring joe or have you have you been a bit more technical in the past talk us through your your development as a, as a professional wrestler and the different styles that you've kind of uh tried uh, trialed over the years i should say it's the sort of stuff that i always wanted to do um because i was more of a fan of ecw czw in mm. my teenage years for sure there's always the sort of stuff I wanted to do, but in, in wrestling, you can't just come out of a training school and do a death match or something mm. like that. It's just, you shouldn't do it. 
people do do it, like you shouldn't. Um, and you have to like earn your stripes. And in wrestling, when I was like brought into it, they had like the seven year rule. So basically, you ca- you can't like even take a training school, like to, te- to teach other people after seven years. So it's basically the same premise. Like for seven years, you like you tow the line, you do whatever people ask of you, and then after that, you do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and and to be honest, like I think I'm a pretty good technical wrestler. Like I used to do a lot of technical stuff, especially for WAW and uh, promotions like Premier, where it's very much based on actual technical wrestling, and it's more of like an older crowd. Um, yeah, I can't even remember where I was going for this. Um, so yeah, the technical wrestling stuff. So yeah, I, I like doing that sort of stuff. But I'm never going to be the best wrestler in the world. I'm never going to be the best like high flyer in the world. There's kind of a niche in England for like big guys like brawling and the the blood and guts and the chaos and, yeah. and that sort of thing. You know, like I think wrestling for me is all about moments. So in a, in a match, like if you can create a moment and uh, you can kind of get aware of a lot more of that sort of stuff in the sort of hardcore brawling craziness death match sort of stuff I, I feel anyway yeah i mean has there been any any professional wrestlers kind of uh from wwf wwe or maybe around the uk circuit that you've been influenced by that you've kind of modeled yourself on or, or kind of taken uh, you know taken a few moves from uh, any wrestlers in particular that's influenced uh, you your style your character i wouldn't say this influenced my character or style so much but just influenced me in general when i was growing up would have been like alex shane just through fwa like uh, that was a obviously a massive point for a lot of guys in in the scene today grew up watching fwa so that kind of whole era kind of yeah it's hard to put words on but that's the kind of stuff that inspired me you know because before that british wrestling was pretty dull yeah. You know, it went from the world of sport, died off, and it was just literally, like, it's going to sound bad, but, like, you know, all-star family-type shows. Mm, yeah, you know, I've been to good, one or two of those, yeah. You know, not, like, not, 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 not the glory days. Yeah, like, all-star wrestlers are, like, the best wrestlers in England because they wrestle every fucking day. But, yeah. I mean, you, you as a teenager, you can't sink your teeth into that. You'll go to a show, you might have a great time, but because there's no storylines and because all the matches are very family friendly and you know like so the fwa vibe had a bit of everything so that kind of inspired me to actually want to get into wrestling like in england if that makes sense before you didn't really think that was an option you just thought you're going to go to america and try to become a wrestler if that, if that makes sense. Mm, most definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I've, I've got to say, I mean, looking at more recent times then, Joe, I mean, the last couple of years, we've definitely seen a massive rise in, in your character and your career as a whole. Uh, you were voted Rise Underground Wrestler of the Year for the last three years. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that, but 2017, 2018 and 2019, you were there Wrestler of the Year. Uh, you were the Rise Hardcore Champion for six months. Uh, you, you won your first Rise World Championship uh, almost one year ago to the day. Uh, you wrestled for CCW um, and uh, you're finishing the year as Rise World Champion. Now, uh, off the back of all of this, I want to jump to one of our fan questions, if that's OK. And it's from uh, Jason Lee Wood. Now, uh, he's seen uh, you in the flesh. He's seen uh, Rise Underground in Leeds. 
Uh, and he, he remembers vividly there being a, an underground no ropes and no rules uh, fight. And I think it's on YouTube as well. So it, it, there's a few of them. But but so we'll talk more about them sort of matches very, very soon. But uh, Jason wants to know, he, say, he says it's an awesome company, loves Rise. Um, but uh, could I ask a big effing Joe, does he have any more plans to go back to the US again uh, as he was uh, at this year's CZW show and wondered if he was going to do anything like that again? So I just want to add some context first before you answer that. So you was at the... Um, CZW Tournament of Death events over in New Jersey in June and you faced uh, Casanova Valentine in the opening round. So tell us about that whole experience, how it all came about and to answer Jason's question have you got any plans to go back to the States to do any more deathmatch tournaments uh, specifically with CZW? Right, I'll answer that one first. Um, I do want to go back. I definitely want to do TOD again because I just felt like my performance only was in the first round and there was circumstances around that that made it hard because uh, like Casanova did a double shot that day. So he was right. wrestling in New York and it got to the point where he wasn't even at the venue, like through traffic and stuff. And they were like, if he doesn't turn up in this match, we'll put the tag match on before. But if he doesn't turn up during a tag match, you're just going to have to wrestle a total stranger, you know, like, and, and considering that was like the biggest match of my, my career. Um, I didn't want to do that. You know, I, I wanted to wrestle Cass because I've wrestled him before. Yeah. And, you know, just to have something thrown on you like that would, would sh- like suck balls. So yeah. um, luckily he turned up and, and the match, the match was, I was really happy with, but I just know if he would, like circumstances would have permitted if, if he was there like two hours before an hour before, then the match would have been so much better. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose you would be more mentally prepared, wouldn't you? Because you're probably thinking, oh, is he, isn't he going to show up? But uh, yeah, you got your match in the end, though. And you said it was probably the most important match of your career. Um, but um, I mean, how, how did it all come about? How did you get invited to be a part of that tournament then, Joe? So I think it was the year before I tried to do like a Facebook like campaign, just like throwing my name in the hat. And then just I had like a better year, like getting more prominent with, I guess, like the videos that I was in we're getting more traction seen by more like deathmatch fans they're quite a tight-knit community yeah. and uh i think through that uh dj hyde contacted me um and uh basically we sorted the details out and it went from there uh pretty simple really i mean i kind of bluffed my way into it because there's far more deserving people than me but i guess every year they've kind of had a british gimmick they had a uh, obviously jimmy havoc and clint margera then they had drew parker and obviously they've become more successful so they have to scrape the barrel and get the third rate deathmatch guy but Far from scraping the barrel, Joe. Come on, but it's, it's something you definitely want to do again. You definitely want to go to the states and possibly take part in the uh, tournament of death again. Yes, definitely. I, I, I mean, I'm down for any tournament. Tournament. I, I really want to do the Nick Gage Invitational because uh, grew up watching Nick Gage, and that that'd be kind of a trip. Um, but anything, man. I, uh, I've got things in the in the line lined mm. up potentially to go to the States, but I, I never believe stuff like that until my name is on that flight ticket. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's looking good. It's looking good. 
Fantastic. And then and then uh, Casanova Valentini came over here uh, to the UK to be part of Rise's uh, Games of Death tournament uh, where you faced each other in the final. But this time, the, the Rise world title was on the line as well in this, in this final match. And this was as violent as you might expect uh, having yourself and Casanova in the ring. It ended with, with uh, Casanova Valentine defeating you with a claw slam through a, a table of light tubes. It, it was it was pretty pretty wicked to watch. Uh, but uh, Casanova Valentine seems to have been one of the opponents that's been a bit of a, a thorn in your side, really. You can't seem to shake him off. And uh, but, but tell us about your rivalry with uh, Casanova Valentine, because you do seem to have uh, kind of um, met somebody uh, you know that, that's really tested you this year. Yeah, we both um, first met each other at the Gathering of the Juggalos, which is uh, in St. Clarence Posse's Festival. That's yeah. where we first uh, met each other. And it was like a love-hate relationship. Um, obviously, he's like, we're like a second-rate... Uh, we, well, I want to be like a second-rate Abdullah and Brody, uh, me and him, like international blood feud. And yeah. uh, it just seems like things lined up. Like, there was mutual respect on, the, on, on Facebook, like, I started seeing his no ring death matches, started watching him and he found rise. And then we suddenly got booked at the gathering. And then it was just one of those things like from that match, it just seemed like more people wanted to book it. Like obviously CZW and rise so it's like an organic sort of feud. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, it, it, it definitely it worked. Yeah. And, and your matches have been uh, kind of ultra violent and, but, uh, Really fun to watch. And you've had some other great matches, certainly in the last 12 months. You've had uh, uh, a, a really excellent match with uh, Boris Kozlov. Uh, you had an excellent match with Martin Kirby that went into the streets of Bradford. Uh, you've even wrestled inside a gym. Uh, you've wrestled inside a Greg's Bakery on a Murtway service station. Uh, but but I, I was really impressed with your match with uh, Saxon Huxley for Rise. It was a pretty wild and uh, you know fight went out of the venue. There were all, all manner of weapons used, Joe, including fire extinguishers, security railings you even interrupted a rock band's oh. performance before before finishing your match so so you, your matches never seem to follow convention do they no, that's the thing like that's what i want is because i like so it's, i always think of wrestling like this like so you get people like the young bucks right who, mm-hmm. who are fucking they're awesome and they do like a million things in a match and i'm a massive fan of them and they're really good but then i imagine them is like a band like dragon force that play like an eight minute song with that's really impressive and loads of crazy guitar solos but then you'll get a band say like the ramones or blink 182 or something that'll be like a three minute song super simple but then you remember it more yeah and so i know i can't do the other stuff i can't do the flips and i'm not going to be the best wrestler like i said so if i can create some sort of chaos or mayhem that people can remember like oh shit can you remember when that match just had a mosh pit in it randomly or can you remember when that match (laughs) you know Stuff like that. That's just like moments that people won't forget. But this is it. You take your fans on a journey in every sense of the word. Um, and uh, that that's what people are going to remember. Not not just next week, but years from now. And um, that's what that's what creates their moments. Uh, but, you're, you, you know, your fans kind of uh, love you for it, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, speaking of Rise, 
Um, I think we'll all agree that they're not for the faint of hearted. They, they, they're described, they even describe themselves as England's maddest wrestling show. Uh, and as Jason mentioned in uh, one of his questions earlier, they, they have this kind of no ring, no rules underground fight club matches where the competitors do literally batter the living hell out of one another. Uh, Rise is, is not like any other wrestling promotion in the UK, as far as I'm aware. Uh, you've been closely associated with Rise uh, for the last three or four years now. Uh, what is it about Rise in particular that, that fits you so well? And at the same time, it's built a really loyal fan base. Um, I just love the freedom in Rise. Like Rise was the first promotion that let me do whatever I wanted to do. Not not obviously book your matches. Like you couldn't book yourself to go over. But if you had an idea or you wanted to do like a vignette and, you know, the promoter would come to London and help us shoot these silly videos that we used to do or still do, you know, like, um, it's just freedom and everyone it's like uh, everyone's obviously in competition to do the coolest shit and have what they think is the best match or the best whatever mm. but it's still a team aspect if yeah. that makes sense like I love seeing like uh, people like Sean only bought a promo out where he's like slate and rise and stuff but like that's a fucking good promo and it just makes me want to do something to try up that you know that sort of you just don't see it in many promotions or you know it's it's such a cool vibe it's definitely unique and uh it's definitely building a a massive fan base as well um but i just hope it goes from strength to strength it's it's unique and it's different and i don't think there's anything out there like like rise to be honest with you um but uh, speaking of kind of uh, of opponents and rivalries i want to talk a little bit about paul robinson if that's okay now you and robbo You've developed a bit of a rivalry over the last don't know, year or so, but, but certainly in DNA wrestling, which um, DNA is featured on Turnbuckle TV, of course. Your first match in DNA with Robbo took place in April, where Robbo uh, used a kendo stick and got himself disqualified. This led to the uh, match that you've had recently with him a couple of weeks ago on the 14th of December at DNA's How the Grinch Stole Brit West, uh, their, their kind of end of year show, and you defeated paul robinson in a pretty hard-hitting no dq match um this leads us nicely to kind of our, our next fan question um, asking you what, what it was like to be in the ring with robbo um in that uh, no dq match it was good it was good to finally get my hands on the, the slimy little trick <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was good man it was good um it literally felt like death going into it i'd just come back from amsterdam and like in the airport it was like coughing blood and um, I think Paul was pretty, like, not feeling too well that day either. So, um, but yeah, it was good, man. DNA is a fucking awesome promotion. Uh, yeah. The crowd, they're like, it's an over, over 14s promotion, but there's a lot of, like, adults there and uh, all super loud, drinking. And uh, it's, it's a nice environment, you know, the promoters are cool. Um and look, for me, working Paul Robinson's a good match for me. So obviously everyone in England who's a wrestling fan should know who Paul Robinson is. Mm, and they're not obviously going to know who I am. So it ups me, ups my um, profile to be in the ring with him. You know, as much as like, I might not agree with some of the things he says. Uh, I obviously respect his talent. Um, so yeah, it's good for me. Yeah. And he do you fancy... Do you fancy getting Paul uh, in the ring in a under the Rise banner and having a proper death match with him? I would like to, but I think like okay, so like the progress thing, <laughs> I don't think they'll let Paul Robinson have a death match with me. I'm pretty sure there was there was a reason 
uh, at DNA. It's not fucking deathmatch. It was a street fight. Yeah. And there's no fucking way, you know, that they'll have the odd deathmatch at progress. But you, He's had a few with Jimmy Havoc in the past. You, you've, yeah, I know. But you've still got to think, like, progress are funded by WWE partly. Yeah. So, really, are they going to let any of their talents? I don't know. It's, it's weird politics, but yeah. I want to see it happen. And I'd like to see it happen. Yeah, I think I think the fans want to see it happen anyway. as well. Not with me. <laughs> but um, I mean, I want to I want to touch on what you just kind of alluded to there. I mean, you, you've gone on record as saying that you represent real independent wrestling, and the likes of all the other promotions that say that they're independent, um, that they're just ass kissers, and most of them just want to contract with the big boys. Can you explain the difference between your type of independent wrestling and what some of the others out there? Um, are saying are their independent wrestling. I mean, you, you, you kind of see it differently, don't you? Okay, there's no slate on... Um... It is a slate. So, <laughs> I'm so stunned I shouldn't be saying this shit. But, um... so, like, back in the day, like, there was FWA, obviously, and there were so many fans that went to that. And then, like, progress seemed to attract, like, a lot of the hipsters, like, the fans yeah. that just weren't there before. Like, where the fuck were they when it was, like, you know, I'd get I'd go to one WAW show every two months, like... They weren't there, and now suddenly they're all there, and, and they think like that was British wrestling. They think progress is the be-all and end-all of British wrestling, which is kind of annoying because there's so many great promotions out there um, that are doing totally different things. And uh, so that's one issue with, with progress that I, I just think is pretty lame. Mm. Um, two, they say they're punk rock and pro wrestling, but they're funded partly by a multi-billion dollar corporations i don't really see that as punk rock anymore yeah true like you're just you're just nxt uk with a pg 13 rating or something i don't know yeah you know because like nxt uk obviously all the rest is there are really good and stuff but the product's a bit more tame and a, a bit stale whereas yeah. progress is like what they could do if they were a higher you know age rating i guess i know what you mean yeah um yeah and it's just yeah it's, it's weird like progress is just weird you know yeah no i i think we understand and like i say there's youtube videos and passionate promos from yourself out there where you kind of uh you know explain how you feel that you know what you do um represents real independent wrestling so uh you know you, it's, you're it's, very it's passionate called progress a wrestling promotion because it's a wrestling promotion but are they independent anymore sure. that's my that's my point, you know, and that's not a slight on their talent because they're fucking good, you know, obviously they're good. There's a reason they're there. There's a reason they get people to go to the shows. They're fucking brilliant, but they're not independent wrestling, not really, yeah. not the actual company. The people that might wrestle for them that aren't on the big high WWE contracts that might get like £100 a night, they're, they're independent. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the next question, the next fan question from uh, from Kieran Reed, uh, part of our uh, Facebook group, he, he asks, and I think you've already answered this question, are we ever going to see you in progress? And I think, is that a big fat no, Joe? I can't see it happening, though. No. Well, who knows what uh, what the future might hold? But uh, like you say, I think there's there's obviously uh, differences about you know what you see, your, what your <laughs> values are in professional as, wrestling as well, and what like... their values are in professional wrestling. Like, even today, one of my friends just messaged me, like, Jim Smallman had blocked him on, on like, social media. Like, come on, man. You're, yeah. you're a wrestler. Who cares? People are going to say, well, you're in the wrestling business. People are going to say shit about you. You have, like, thicker skin. Yeah. 
yeah, that, that's uh, definitely a good point. So let's change uh, tact a little bit then, Joe. So a lot of people might not know this, but you had a you had a, a kind of a, a small part in a certain film that a lot of his wrestling fans have probably seen. It's actually a very good film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've seen it a few times. Uh, but uh, fighting with my family. Now it's obviously the kind of Hollywood dramatization of kind of page and uh, from the Channel Four documentary fighting with my family. And um, so. You were there as part of the kind of NXT tryout scene, kind of towards the beginning of the film, and you were there with other kind of UK independent wrestlers as part of this tryout scene. Now, how did you get involved in that movie, Fight Two and My Family? What, what kind of experience did you have uh, during your time on set there? So it, was, it was really dumb luck. Um, they were doing a casting um, about two miles away from a, a premiere promotions booking I had. So it obviously made sense to drop in on the casting because um, I was doing, like, I was getting paid to go that way anyway. Yeah. And uh, it just went from that. Like I literally didn't think I was going to get the part when I turned up and I seen everyone else there. And I thought, fuck it. I'm just going to go in and some pants. They wanted you to wear wrestling gear. I've, I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to wear pants. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's no point getting changed for this year. And um, yeah, it just turned out they wanted a load of jobbers. So I fit right in, in my pants for the role of uh, reject like WWE reject that worked out well yeah it was alright and I'm guessing you enjoyed the experience and uh, it was probably what was it a day shoot or a couple of day shoots it, it was two days it was yeah. really fucking long for such a short scene I mean they made us do wrestling but they cut they cut that which is probably mm. for the best and um, it was just really long like shooting the same scene again and again but it was it was really interesting um, yeah, there was a funny bit where uh, Vince Vaughn come across as really cool, but there was a bit where his shoelace come undone, and, and instead of like bending down to tie it up, he just looked, and this woman hit the ring to tie his shoelace. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but I suppose that. with your uh, kind of connections from your earlier days with the with the uh, Knight family, it must have been quite. Uh, quite a pleasant experience kind of doing a film based on the Knight family uh, bearing in mind your connections with them from your early days it was fucking weird like who would have thought in say 2001 that they'd be making a, a film by the, about the Knight family yeah. like if you know them and how down to earth they are you just couldn't imagine it um, yeah. so it, that was pretty surreal and then the fact that I got to do a role because the tryout where Paige got signed, I was actually on the same tryout. Like when I was like back in the day when I was in shape. No I way. Was, I, That's I was cool. On the same tryout, yeah, with her and Zach. Obviously, she got the gig and I didn't, so I was in a roundabout way playing myself. Wow. Which is a, <laughs> which is a, a double kick to the balls. Yeah. And, um, to add to the the um, irony of it, when they did the premiere in Norwich, I got asked if I wanted to work security for it that day. By a security company. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should have said, should have said no, I, I should be in there. <laughs> That's a cool story. That's a really cool story. Uh, but let, let's move on then. We've got to get a, a few more fan questions then for you, Joe. Uh, firstly, from Andy Walters, another member of our Wrestling with John's Facebook community page. And he asks uh, about the, the Moxley versus Kenny Omega match at Full Gear, their lights out, non sanctioned match. So I don't know if you kind of caught that match. Um, it was a pretty physical match there was lots of long, weapons 
weapons and barbed wire involved and and uh all, all glass um how weird that gla- real that glass was nobody will, will ever know apart from the two competitors but what were your thoughts on moxley versus omega from full gear then buddy i thought it was pretty fucking long it was about 44 minutes it was a long old match i remember watching <laughs> i was i was attempting to do some cardio at the gym and i was watching it on my phone and um I, all i remember from that match was constantly going under the ring to look for weapons which they couldn't find. Mm. Like it was like they didn't put the weapons there themselves. They got some runners to do it, and that's all I remember from that match. Yeah, I mean it but, was good. Um, it was alright, but it's just yeah, uh, there was something missing from it. Yeah, it was like, alright. Some good spots. Yeah, there was some good spots, but I mean, uh, far, yeah, far better wrestlers than I'll ever be. But it was just uh it was just a bit disjointed, wasn't it? It was like going from one stunt to another. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, moving on then. So we got we got a, a, a fan question from Grizz. And uh, I think you touched on this earlier, but uh, Grizz asks, what was it like wrestling at uh, the Gathering of the Juggalos? So uh, tell us a bit more about that experience, uh, the Gathering of the Juggalos. Possibly one of the best experiences of my life. Um, it was just madness. There was people walking around totally naked in dog collars, um the minute i got there someone passed me a six foot bong um people walking around with bottles of acid just asking if you want it there's there was about two police officers there just sat on a on a like a fucking buggy not doing anything while people just doing drugs casually around them it was uh really surreal it's fucking amazing one of your best moments uh experiences of your life but uh another quick question then so um uh is there anybody that you'd, like, that you'd like to compete against to face in the ring in 2020 that you've not faced already? Anybody on your kind of bucket list of competitors that you'd like to get in the ring with? I kind of wanted, like, there was a rumour, but I think it's not actually going to go ahead, um, about Thumbtack Jack potentially coming back to wrestling. And I thought that would be a really good match for me. Um, that would have been pretty cool, but I don't think he's actually going to come out of retirement, so... We'll see. Um, active. Um, I really want to match with Jimmy Havoc. I feel that was a match that kind of escaped me. That's, that would be a big match for me. Because um, just as he was like leaving, I was starting to get a bit more over and get on a few more shows. And now obviously he's fucked off to America. So I can't yeah. see it happening anytime soon. You know, I don't yeah. wrestle for progress. That would be cool. But that's not going to happen. Um the closest thing would have been TNT um, in in Liverpool, but yeah. I don't think he comes over for them now. So there we go. Who knows? Who knows? Um, and uh, another question from Kieran from our Facebook group, and he asks, uh, "What was your your biggest or proudest moment from the last twelve months?" Um, proudest uh, CZW because I didn't totally shit the bed. You know, like my gimmick's very subjective. And with an American crowd, they obviously think I'm wearing a nappy or something like And uh, I didn't get like a please fuck off chant or, you know, <laughs> I, I got a, I got a very, um, a very light please come back chant. But it was good enough for me. So and, and I cleared up on merch like I sold so much merch that day, which was really cool because obviously I'm a no one to be to be in America. And like some of these people, that'd be the first time ever seeing me. It's pretty cool. 
absolutely cool story and uh, a question for myself uh, what was what's the biggest bit of advice that you've been given that's really helped you in your wrestling career so far then joe learn to drive <laughs> that is the most important thing in wrestling learn to drive for sure yeah yeah and uh, well, we, i'm guessing was there a period of time where you were relying on others for lifts or uh, have you always driven just no like public transport is the ships like when you have to wrestle and you have to catch a train for four hours to wait for an hour to catch a bus and stuff it's just hard work and it's not practical for a promoter public transport is so expensive which it shouldn't be but it is um and if you're uh, when you first start out wrestling and it's literally like a 20 pound handshake you know you can't justify like i don't know how people can justify the expense like they're literally working all week to fund their habit of wrestling at the weekends which is cool because you have to pay dues but if you can drive you can certainly offset that by you know filling a carload of wrestlers and getting your expenses paid you know a promoter will probably well a good promoter will always pay the uh, travel expenses like in a car but if they have to start paying like you know 100 pounds for a train ticket it's probably not going to happen especially when you're trying to make a name for yourself yeah and um i mean this this could be weekend then joe it's another really big weekend another important weekend for rise it's one of their big annual shows that the rise rumble now you you've been a part of every single rumble so far in 2017 and 2018 you were the runner-up but 2019 you won the rumble and i think that that also gave you your first rise world championship as well so um this coming saturday the 4th of january is the next rise rumble um how do you feel this weekend's going to go do you fancy your chances I'm looking forward to it. Um, I just hope I get a good number because, like, fuck me, Rise Rumbles last forever. There's, like, some people might come in in two minutes, some people might come in four minutes. And, uh, like, David Graves went 90 minutes in a Rumble once um, for Rise, and that wasn't even, he wasn't even in the final two, you know. So, just from a cardio perspective, I'm nervous about what number I get. Um, yeah. No one's ever went out of it, the champion who's went in it, though. And that'll be another thing. Yeah. But I mean, and, it's, and always, we, it's always their biggest well, show of the year. It's always really well attended. It's at a pretty cool venue. So I'm looking forward to the actual show. Awesome. Awesome. And, and we've mentioned DNA Wrestling. We've mentioned Rise Wrestling. Uh, you've performed for a lot of other promotions around the UK, um, say in the last few years, I suppose. Do you feel that all of your hard work over the last however many years you've been a professional wrestler, I'm not going to mention that number again, but did you think all your hard work has finally paid off or paying off anyway? I feel like I'm on an upwards momentum. Um, my bank account would suggest otherwise. So still pretty much a failure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Not and, yeah, I, I, I think you got, you know, 2020, uh, is, is looking good for you but you've got a lot of momentum behind you definitely but um, I mean looking ahead to the rest of this month the rest of January where else can the, the, the listeners of Wrestling With Jonas kind of see you in action are you uh, primarily going to be wrestling for, for Rise I know they got another event at the end of the month the uh, Rise Unplugged uh, show at uh, Iger Studios on the 31st but uh, have you got any other bookings lined up between now and the 31st? Yeah I think I've got one for for DOA, I've got some, but I'm the worst, world's worst person when it comes to dates. I literally uh, put it in my diary. I don't even put it on my diary on my phone. I'm such a fucking idiot. And then uh, it just comes to like Friday, and I know like not to 
to work you know i just look at the, the calendar and be like oh shit i've got to go here i need but, I to sort um, it out I'm guessing that if any of my listeners follow you on social media, that they'll be updated on dates and kind of where to find yeah, you and where they can on, see on you like in action. Facebook and Instagram, yeah. Just find, uh, I think I'm on Instagram as Big F and Joe and probably the same on Facebook as well. So, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to Joe, listen, that's the end of the interview, buddy. I want to thank you so much for coming on the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. You've been a fantastic guest. Um, you, you've thrown out a few social media plugs. What I'll do is I'll make sure that all of your social media plugs are uh, mentioned in the in the description to this podcast. Uh, but I want to thank you for coming on and, and being a guest on the Wrestling With Jonas podcast this week, buddy. No worries. Hopefully um, it made sense and wasn't too, like, rambling. No, it's absolutely fine. But uh, thank you so much. And uh, best of luck this weekend, the 4th of January at the Rise Rumble. And uh, that's pretty much it from myself and from uh, Big F and Joe. Uh, We look forward to doing more interviews in conjunction with Turnbuckle TV in the future. So stay tuned for those. Uh, And don't forget to visit our new website, wrestlingwithjohners.com, for everything Wrestling With Johnners all in one place. Um, Our next podcast, we'll be dropping two podcasts on Sunday, the 5th of January. And we'll be recording back-to-back episodes covering day one and day two of New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom 14. So I'll be joined by Kurt Johansson and Grizz to cover both of them two days uh, this coming weekend. So you won't want to miss our coverage of those two shows. Uh, So please keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, all of your weekly NXT and AEW updates, uh, regular WWE and AEW pay-per-view reviews and so much more. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family, and don't forget to subscribe to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast so you don't miss out on a single episode. Episode. Uh, once again, I want to thank Joe for coming on this week's uh, podcast and uh, thank you to everybody that's listened. And uh, in the meantime, have yourself a great week and catch up with you all again soon. 